you, Pastor Gabe. Well, we are so happy to be with you today. We just want you to know how much we love you, church family. We're so happy to be with you. Absolutely. And just before we dive in today, we want to just take a moment and on behalf of the entire Life Center Church community, extend our condolences to Pastor Joyce for the passing of her brother this week. And so please be in prayer for our entire Bonner family as they just grieve and mourn the loss of their brother John and uncle and, and friend and grandfather and, and, and all the various things that he, he was. As well, too, you know, we've heard from various members at Life Center who have family in India. And we watched the just the the, the, the havoc that COVID is wreaking in that nation. And so together, we, want, we don't want to be indifferent, nor do we want to be ignorant. We want to be prayerful. And so we want you to know that if you've got friends and family, whether it's Kenneth or others and Shelda or others, we want you to know that we're praying for you. Uh, Pastor Barry has connected with the various churches and Bible schools and things that he has done in, on behalf of Life Center to connect, even in India, just praying for those pastors and all that, all that is occurring around them. Church, we want to be a praying church. And at the end of the message, we're going to take a moment and pray. Yeah, thank you so much, Jason. Yes. Well, we are going to dive in. Um, last Sunday, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Terry gave us a powerful message. Wasn't that just awesome? Let's give like a high five in the chat for last week. They did such a great tag team on polarization. And we're going to kind of continue from where they left off um, to talk about how do we listen to the voice of Jesus? How do we listen to be more like Jesus when we talk? talk about the voice of growth. Now in Luke's gospel, it says that Jesus lived on earth and he grew in three specific ways. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about Jesus growing, it kind of blows my mind. It kind of messes with my mind. I feel like it enters into that space where the scriptures talk about how the gospel is a mystery. Because how could Jesus, who is God, who is perfect in all his ways, need to grow or grow? But the scriptures do talk about it, and we want to model our lives after Jesus. And so we're going to dive into how Jesus did that so we can learn to be more like him. In Luke 2 verse 52, it says this, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. Now increase means to drive forward, to advance, to grow. So it says that Jesus did these things. He advanced, he grew in wisdom and stature and favor. And so this morning we want to unpack what that means and what that looks like. Now all of us grow chronologically time just keeps going by and we get older. Uh, Jason and I are just about to have our birthdays coming up and so another year later, what does that mean? Well, it means a few more gray hairs, Jay, more than me. <laughs> thanks, thanks for pointing that out. No problem. A, a few more wrinkles, but age continues to come. But the truth is that we all grow older, but we don't necessarily all grow up. It truly does take the finished work of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the refining of community to become more Christ-like. Now, I want you to think about this. What could it be like if over the next year, if you think about how old you are now and one year from now, if the Holy Spirit grew you in wisdom and stature and favor with God and others? Now, maybe you feel like this is already happening. 
I know for those who have joined HeartStrong this month, we've just completed a full month of HeartStrong. And digging into the Word of God every day, both in community, has been really a supernatural thing. And I want you to know that you can join HeartStrong anytime. And so if there is this intentional desire for you to develop and grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, HeartStrong is one way that you can do it. And so we encourage you to join us for the month of May. And again, HeartStrong is so beautiful because it's putting this structure on growth, but you can take what you can do and bring it into your life where you're at. And truly, it's been supernatural. So we just encourage you to keep considering joining us and coming on the journey with us to becoming heartstrong. Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I became a man or a woman, I, I put childish things behind me. And all through the gospels, we see Jesus again and again, pulling children up and saying, these, you must become like one of these if you want to inherit the kingdom of God. You must have faith like a child. So there's this sort of paradox of putting away childishness, but becoming like a child, having faith like a child in order to truly see the kingdom of heaven. What does this mean? Well, the thing about a child is that they are completely dependent on their caregiver for everything. They cannot take care of themselves. They are completely vulnerable and they put all of their trust and all of their faith in those who are supposed to take care of them to help them to grow. And that's what God is talking about. He wants us to have faith like that with him where our utter dependency for everything we need is in our heavenly father. Now, the hardest part of this journey is that for so many of us, often the ones who were supposed to care for us and protect us have failed us. And in doing so, we have put walls of protection and hardened our hearts because of those failures. And unfortunately, we do that with our personal relationships, but we also do that sometimes in our relationship with God. You see, Satan wants to take advantage of the ways that people have let us down. He wants to take advantage of those things. He wants to form our identity around that brokenness and around that pain. And he wants to actually use that against us, where God actually actually has a revelation for us in the midst of that pain. I remember when I was in grade three and I got in trouble at school and I I'd had like a, a report that wasn't marked or something like that. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it must have been a really bad day for my teacher because she marched over to my desk. She picked me up by my arm off the ground, lifted me off the ground and spanked me in front of my entire class. I know, listen, it was the 80s. You were actually allowed to hit kids. I know it sounds absolutely well, you devastating. you weren't allowed to well, hit. No, 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 you, yeah. no, 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 no. You could get the strap at school. Yeah, I know. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know, Do yeah, you not yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, could actually yeah, get the strap. But and not, it was, okay. anyways, okay, so this is what happened. I got spanked in front of my class, but I was utterly, utterly humiliated. I mean, I mean, one of the most humiliating things that I had experienced until that time. 
When my parents found out what happened, my parents said that I needed to go and apologize to my teacher for what I had done, and I got in trouble for it. Now, what happened in my little eight-year-old mind was I felt like these people who were supposed to protect me didn't. And so I decided, it was almost like in my little eight-year-old mind, I made a vow to myself that I couldn't trust anybody to protect me, that I would have to protect myself. And I kind of had this idea, this mindset throughout my life as I got older and older that when push came to shove, nobody was going to be there to have my back and no one was going to be able to protect me. Now you see, What if there was something that God, a revelation that God had for me in that moment, that actually that story and all of our stories, the ways that our caregivers have failed us in life was less about their failure and more about a recognition that we, they were never able to handle the full weight of that trust. Now, as a mom, I realize that my kids have had to go through things that I wish that I could have protected them from. They have had to experience things that if I could have been there, I would have protected them and I would have wanted to protect them, but I couldn't because because I wasn't with them all of the time. And so this realization comes that we are going to fail one another. We're going to fail in our relationships with one another. We're not going to get it right every single time. And there's a reason for that. The reason is because there's only one that can actually take the full weight of our trust, and that is God, our Heavenly Father. And these deeply wounding and painful parts of our story are a part of our life and story, but they're meant to show us that God is our Savior, to put him in that place in our life, that he is our only Savior. I can't look to Jason to save me from things. I can't look to my parents to save me from things. They're not going to be able to do it every single time. Only God can take that place in my life. And if we can place him as Savior and healer and protector in our life, we can trust that he will make all things new. He will redeem our brokenness. When we allow God to heal those places in our life, we then can grow in wisdom and stature and favor as we put the full weight of our trust in God and follow the way of Jesus, because that's exactly what Jesus did. You see, Jesus lived with this powerful revelation because he knew his father. He really knew him. You know, he said when he was on earth, who is my mother and who is my brother? He said, those who do the will of my father is my mother and my brother and my sister. And that's the story that all of us are being invited into. This recognition that our relationship with our heavenly father is over every other relationship. And that's part of this journey that we're being invited into. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's just now just drill down a little bit deeper. How do we grow specifically in those three things, in wisdom and in stature and in favor? You know, as we dig into this today, um, maybe you were here a couple of Sundays ago or watching online when Toju spoke about racism or last week, you know, Pastor Terry and Jeff spoke about polarization. And in my life, I can see gaps from where I am to where I need to grow to. And as Pastor Lori was just saying, here's the heart behind what she was articulating. You and I will only 
only grow with someone that we trust. And so may our hearts be rooted in a trustworthy Heavenly Father. But here's what the, here's what the, let's dive into wisdom. How do we grow in wisdom? Wisdom is looking at the world we live in and asking this question. What does it mean to live well in the world? That's what wisdom is. It's not always black and white, but it's how do I make a wise choice with what it is that I'm facing? In the Bible, there are wisdom books, books of Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. I love how the Bible Project summarizes them this way. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, is like a brilliant young teacher who just knows the wise thing to do. It's Twitter before Twitter. It's these short charactered statements that you and I can cling on to. There's 31 books of Proverbs, and there's little packets of statements that stand on their own. Some kind of touch with the others, but they're just little packets of statements. So I want you to think about Proverbs like this brilliant young person in your life who just knows the right thing to say in a moment, the wise thing to say. But Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes is like a sharp middle-aged friend who's lived and knows a thing or two. They've experienced life, some hardship like Lori and I, Lori spoke about. They've come out the other side. They've seen it from not one perspective, but a couple of perspectives. They've gone through enough knocks in life that they're not idealistic anymore, but they're not jaded or cynical. They just know a thing or two. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. And the book of Job, oh, the book of Job is like a mature, older person who has had everything in life thrown at them and they find themselves on the other side of those things with their faith intact in God, weathered through the storms of life, but they have seen the best of life, the worst of life. They have seen also the fullness of a story. They've been through every chapter and seen God redeem it. So again, Proverbs, young, brilliant. Ecclesiastes would be this middle-aged, they've seen a thing or two, but then Job is this mature, older person who has seen the whole gamut in life. And what I love about the scriptures is if you and I want to grow in wisdom, we actually need those three voices in our lives. We need those who are young and intelligent and wise. We need those who are middle-aged, and we need those who are mature, who have seen a lot in life and come through the other side. It's one of the things that I love, that if you and I are to be more like Jesus, that he plants us in a body, and the body of Christ needs to have all of these generations. So I want you to stop and think right now. If you're young, what is your perspective of the generation above you and even the one above that? Is it honoring? Is it respectful? Doesn't mean that you can't see things that you disagree with, but what's your posture towards those generations? If you're in a Gen X and you've got millennials and Gen Z beneath you, and then maybe you know the boomer generation above you. What's, what's your opinion? How do you see these different generations? And then, of course, if you're the boomer generation looking backwards, what is your perspective of the other generations? Do you speak words of life or words of death? What is it that comes out of our mouth? The truth is that the enemy wants to always divide us, not just racially and not just politically and not just polarization, but he wants to divide us generationally because he knows the combined wisdom of all of those things together helps you and I grow up in the Lord. Now let's take it one step further. Wisdom starts, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, wisdom starts with trusting the character of Christ. The fear of the Lord, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In some translations it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is not an emotion. 
It is not a perception, though you can feel emotions. That's not what it is. It's not like one day you wake up and you say, well, I feel reverent today, and another day I may not feel as reverent, or maybe it's looking at the church and it's like we look at style things and we think, man, oh man, where's the fear of the Lord went? When I grew up in church, it was like this, and everyone did this, and now the style has changed. They've lost the fear of the Lord. No, no, no. Fear of the Lord is not style changes. It is source changes. It is entirely different. See, the fear of the Lord means this. The fear of the Lord can, can show up in our emotions, but it's not an emotion. The fear of the Lord means living with healthy respect for how God defines good and evil. I'm going to say it again. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is living with a healthy respect with how God defines good and evil. And wisdom is learning to flourish then within the boundary of God's wisdom that we see in God's word. And so the opposite of wisdom, you see it all the way through the book of Proverbs. The opposite of wisdom is being a fool or being foolish. And what is foolish? Foolish is not just doing dumb things, though that is foolish in one sense. Foolish is when you and I define what is good and evil based on our thoughts, feelings, intellect, and our experience. When we define what is good and evil based on one generational perspective and not the collective wisdom of all generations working together. All right, that's what the opposite of wisdom is. So let me just give you a quick example here. When you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was in his local synagogue for 30 years. Every single weekend he was in the synagogue. That's where he could be found, week in and week out. When he arrives on the scene, he is baptized. Where do you see Jesus every weekend during the height of his three and a half years of ministry? In the synagogue, ministering. We see it. So it's popular in our day and time talking about church, that you don't ever have to go to church. You don't ever have to engage church in that way. But I want you to know that these are the words of foolishness. In order for you and I to be like Jesus, we have to do what Jesus did. We've got to live the way Jesus lived. We've got to live in the boundary of how God defines what's good and evil. Now, again, that doesn't mean you only come to this church. No, no, you can go to different churches. You know, if you want to church hop your whole life, that's not going to be wise. But you can go to other churches. I'm not talking about just this church. But you've got to root yourself in community. It's so important. Choose a church. Commit. Love. Serve. And mature. If not, you know, you can also not choose a church. You can drift. You can make it all about you. You can, rather than serve, you can take. You know, again, one is going to mature you. The other is going to keep you in, in, in immaturity. Both are going to form you. They're just going to form you entirely differently. And so, again, it might be living in, or I should say, living into the way of Jesus is not a metaphor. It's not a slogan. It's not just something that we're slapping back there. It's you and I, if we want to be wise. Jesus was the wisest person who ever lived. And what did he say again and again and again? I can do nothing of my own accord. I only do that which I see the Father doing. He lived under the submission of his Father. He lived doing what the Father called him to do. And so growing in wisdom is not finding smart people. Because there are brilliant people that are lost people. There are brilliant people that are defining good and evil for themselves. There are brilliant, absolutely brilliant people who will not lead you in the way of Jesus. Doesn't mean you can't learn from them in a million other ways. You sure can and you should. But in terms of learning how to be like Christ, that's different. Growing in wisdom isn't finding smart people. It is finding and following submitted to Jesus people. 
And so you and I, that's our heart, that we want to submit to God's word. We want to submit to God's ways. And we want to submit to being shaped in a body together where all of these tensions that we've been talking about the last number of weeks, all of them surface and that we work it out together in loving one another, in sometimes, as Pastor Lori said, even failing one another, yeah. confessing to one another, asking forgiveness of one another, believing the best in one another, not rooting in one chapter, but saying, God, you can do something new in another chapter. If the, we've said it over and over and over. If the story's not yet good, God's not yet done. And so growing in wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not an emotion. The fear of the Lord is submitting. God, what your word says, it is good and evil. That is what I'm going to submit and surrender to because you lead to flourishing. That so is wisdom. Wow. Biblical wisdom is that. I love that. And it reminds me of Paul, the apostle Paul saying, it is not through wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the power. And that power of God only comes through submission. It doesn't come through eloquence and all of that. And I just encourage you, if you feel like you are not one of those believers who, you know, can pray with power and authority with all eloquence, it's it's not about that. It really is about submitting to what God has asked you to do and not worrying about how it sounds coming out because true power and true authority comes from a much deeper place than something external. Well, we're going to dive into stature and stature refers to growing in size like height or age. And, and, and I will admit that probably some of us in COVID have you know, maybe grown in stature a little yeah. more than I found 10 pounds like. of friends in COVID. I'm not ashamed to admit that. I keep playing ping pong with 10 pounds all year long, back and forth. And well, when you lose she's them, I back. find them. I find the 10 pounds. They just stay with she's me. She's back right oh. now. Anyways, too soon? It's okay. It's okay. No shame, guys. No shame. We've all, we've got lots of time. But there's an assumption that with age comes maturity, but that is not always the case. And stature refer also refers to reputation. Reputation gained by ability or achievement. And so when other people look at your life, what do they see? Does your character and your actions reflect the experiences of your life? And the truth is, yes, it does, both for the good and for the bad. And so stature actually references both that which is external, like a physical age and just growing, but it also represents your actions and your words. And what do your actions and words say about your conduct and about your reputation? You know, with Jesus, it was often remarked that he was one who had authority, not like the Pharisees. You see, the people had been very accustomed to teaching. They had seen it all of their lives. But yet when Jesus came on the scene, it was evident that there was something different about him, that he followed a different set of rules, that he seemed to be led by a different kind of kingdom. And they picked up on it. They could see that there was a difference. And what the people didn't know, what they didn't realize was that this authority came out of complete submission and obedience to his father and his love for the people, love to the point of laying down his life. And as we said earlier, all of us, we will continue to grow chronologically, but not all of us will continue to grow in our Christ-likeness. That is our choice, our choice of what we focus on and what or whom is on the throne of our lives. 
Now, there's nothing written in the scriptures about Jesus from age 12 to 30, but there's a single and profound understanding of how Jesus lived during these 18 formative years. In Luke 2, verse 49, it says, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Or translated a little differently, it says, to be involved in my father's interest, to be among my father's people. You see, Jesus growing in stature meant orienting his life around the heart of God for people. Whatever else Jesus did as a son or a brother or a carpenter or a citizen was all done with a focus on the heart of God expressed towards people. Now, if you are between the ages of 12 and 30, what would it look like if your chief aim in life was to learn how to express God's heart towards other people? Yet there is something else that is so significant that Jesus does in order to grow in stature. He submits and he obeys authority, which again is another mind-boggling concept for the Son of God. Luke 2.51 says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. Let's fast forward 18 years, and we see this other moment of submission, this moment of obedience in Jesus' life in Matthew 3, verses 13 to 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented, John consented. And so to have authority, Jesus submits. He obeys healthy, albeit imperfect authority. His parents were not sinless people, but Jesus still submits. John was not sinless, but Jesus still submits. Remember, this is in obedience to his father. He's, he's coming under submission, and he's choosing submission out of obedience to his father. And in that obedience, he says, the right thing to do to grow in stature is I must submit in these ways. Now, why does this matter? Because it's not enough for us just to have a heart for God's people. In fact, I think that we can get led astray with a sort of a gospel of compassion only. Compassion only that doesn't have power that comes through obedience and submission. You see, we have to have authority in order to make a genuine difference. Spiritual authority. And spiritual authority only comes under submission. The crowds were astonished because Jesus was one that taught with authority. People can recognize authority when they see it. And spiritual authority is not something that we can earn. It's given by grace through submission and obedience to our Heavenly Father. Submission is like this umbrella of protection, a covering that releases us in the authority of Christ. It's like as we lay down our rights, as we lay down our ways, as we pick up our cross and follow Jesus, we actually come under the umbrella of submission that gives us righteousness and the rights that come with following Jesus. And that is true spiritual authority. 
But God always gives us a choice in this. He allows us the freedom to choose the way of his kingdom or the way of the world. Because the way of the world would say that to gain stature, reputation, and authority, you have to have power through a position, a title, wealth, success, promotion, glory, achievement. But the way of the kingdom, the way of Jesus, the way that Jesus gained stature, reputation, and authority was through complete and utter submission and surrender to the Father, restraining his power through servanthood, humility, gentleness, kindness, to the point of laying down his life for us. That is an invitation for you and I to live the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, a completely different kingdom than the kingdom of this world. Yeah, because as soon as we all hear the word submission, like you have alarm bells that go off on our mind because all of us have experienced, like you talked about a teacher earlier, all of us experienced fallen people not handling that well. And I'm a fallen person, you're a fallen person, and history is resplendent with examples of humanity that doesn't do it, which is so beautiful that this series isn't more like others, it's more like Jesus. And so all of us can be confessional in this place of saying, we all don't handle all of this well. And so let's finish with this final word of favor. Final word, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom, in submission to the fear of the Lord. Uh, He grew in stature, as Pastor Lori just unpacked. And then he grew in favor. And favor, finding favor means gaining approval or gaining acceptance. It doesn't mean living for approval. Very, very different. It means finding approval or acceptance. And followers of Jesus, we have favor with God because of the finished work of Christ. Full stop, plus nothing. Nothing that we can add to that at all. It is a gift of grace that we receive into our lives. We couldn't even get to salvation without the Holy Spirit opening our hearts and lives to who Jesus is. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5 says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, not even when we were struggling, we were hurt, we were falling, when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And so we don't boast in anything but the finished work of the cross, not in the unfinished work of our lives. But Jesus then grew in favor, not only with God, but with others. And that's important. He grew in favor with God, but also with others by, yes, living a sinless life, but also living under how God has defined good and evil. We talked about that with wisdom. He fixed his focus, as Pastor Lori just shared, on the love of God being expressed, expressed, of course, towards his father, but also towards others. And his authority positioned him then to make a original, OG, Jesus-sized difference wherever it is that he went. Mark 1.22 says, And they were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one who had authority and not just scribes. And so let me read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, 1 to 11, because in it, it actually outlines that when you and I are to be people who, you know, receive position or authority, whatever it happens to be, when we find favor, favor, but this is what the steps look like. This is what the facets look like. How do we grow with favor in God and others? This needs to be our heart. And when I read this, I say, Lord, can you 
you just keep making me more like your son? Can you transform my mind, not let me be conformed to this world? Lord, transform my mind. So in, when I read this, man, I got some gaps that God wants you and I to grow in. Ephesians, or Philipp, sorry, Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11, it says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. So you want to grow with favor with God and favor with others? Don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So as Pastor Laurie has mentioned even a couple of times now, it blows our mind when we see Jesus doing things, remembering, yeah, he's fully God, but he's also fully human, and he's showing us a different way to live in the world in the way in which God has intended. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. You and I are not to exalt ourselves. We're not to market ourselves. We're not to puff ourselves up. I love how Christine Kane says, we live in a world today where we all know how to market ourselves, but fewer and fewer people are marked by God, by time in prayer, time in fasting, time in the word, time to being formed and shaped by the Spirit of God, time and community together where God elevates us, God profiles us, God lifts us up. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if you read that, how do you grow in favor? You do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. In humility, you count other people more significant to yourself. Don't be self-interested. Look to the interest of others. Don't live a life trying to glorify yourself. Live a life trying to glorify God. Don't live a life trying to promote yourself. Live a life trying to humble yourself and let God open the doors. Let God do the marking. Let God do the promoting. You don't engage in all of these things. If it sounds like, man, that, that, that won't work in the world in which we live in. Perhaps it's not the world that we have to live in that we have to be so concerned about. But living in and seeing the kingdom of heaven on earth, because that's the world that we want, not just the one that we live in. Pastor Laurie? That is so good. That is so powerful. And the reality is that even as we teach this message today, it's impossible to do on our own, which is why Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to be in us. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit to follow in the way of Jesus, to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And so if you want that today, if you want to grow, continue to grow, to be more like Jesus in these three ways, to grow in wisdom and the fear of the Lord, to grow in stature, in how you conduct yourself, in your reputation, to grow in the... Um, the favor with God and man. If you want to grow in these things, I want you to right now put a hand up in the chat. Say, that's me. That's me. That's me. I want to grow in that way. And I'm just going to invite you to say a prayer with me, to join me in a prayer today as we just invite the Holy Spirit to help us in all of these ways. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are.
Father, we give you glory. We give you esteem. We place you above all else in our life and in our heart. And we are so sorry for anything that we have placed over you. For anything that you have given us, that you have created, that we have taken and then placed as more important than you. We repent of this and we lay that down. And we place you in full preeminence in our life right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to be people who, like Jesus, continue to grow throughout all of our lives in wisdom and stature and favor with you and with others. And we ask you, God, for wisdom. Help us to start at the very beginning with a genuine fear of who you are. Help us to be working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Help us to come to you in awesome fear of your power and holiness, but receive your invitation to be sons and daughters and heirs with you in your kingdom. God, we receive that gift humbly by grace in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to continue to grow in stature. May we grow in maturity, not just in age, but also in our character and our reputation. May our actions be a true reflection of our heart, and may we be honest and self-aware about the true state of our heart. Lord, would you grant us favor with you, not because we deserve it. We know that we don't, but because of your son, Jesus. Lord, we need your favor because in you is everything we could possibly need. Lord, we humbly ask that you would give us favor with others so that as we go through our lives, our work, our homes, our families, that it would reflect your love and your beauty to the world around us and that this would give us favor. Lord, help us to always give you back the glory. Lord, we know that favor does not always look like being liked or having good things. Jesus, you yourself were despised and rejected by man, so Lord, give us eternal favor. Even when we're hurt and rejected here on earth, Lord, help us to look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we place our full trust in who you are, and we submit afresh this day to your will. Not our will, Lord, but your will be done. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and everybody who agrees says, amen. 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 Well, will you encourage you together? We encourage you. It's the first Sunday in May. We so we're asking you to invite, you know, to take communion together to celebrate communion. And as you do, you know, whether you're single, you can do it absolutely alone. Jesus is fully with you. But we encourage you, maybe with FaceTime or Zoom, just reach out to someone else, maybe that you know, and just do it with somebody else. Just go through communion together. Again, you can go on YouTube if you don't have our email. We emailed out today. It's a video that you can watch to do communion. Uh, but you can do it as a couple. You can do it as a family. You can do it with other families safely, of course, through Zoom. Um, but here's what we're asking you, encouraging you to do today. We're asking you to pray for India as you, as you do communion. Pray for the world in which you and I live, this broken world that can be whole in God. So we're asking you to just have that heart of compassion and care for the world in which we live. Lift up even members. You may not know them by name, but in all of our campuses, there are incredible members who their country of origin is India. And so there are grandmothers and grandmothers and aunts and uncles and moms and dads who they are concerned about. It's not a story over there. It is a concern that is right here.
here. And then together, we're also inviting you to pray uh, in the midst of this season. I know it's hard. Pray for everybody's mental health. Pray for their emotional health. Uh, pray for those, again, who have lost loved ones like this week, like Pastor Joyce and, and Pastor Barry and our Bonner family and the extended family. But you can also pray and look, at, even when you look at the numbers of COVID, look at, don't get just caught in all the political stuff and whether it's this or it's that. Look at these. Every number is a person. It's a family. Don't get caught in nothingness. Root in and say, God, I want to pray for these 500 people in Ottawa. I want to pray for those who are infected. Lord, I want to pray for all those who are sick and the havoc and businesses and everything. Just pray for people. You and I want to have favor, not only with God, with one another. And so we need to be a people of prayer. So before you post today, pray. So we're inviting you to take communion. And you can do it alone. You can do it with someone else. You can do it safely using digital means. You know, and we, when we do it, God is fully present. So right now, we're encouraging you to do that. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Uh, let's together all be growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with one another. We look forward to seeing you next week for Mother's Day. We have and a special treat too. You're not going to want to miss for all the ladies. So definitely log in next week. Yes. We are so excited and God bless. Have an amazing, amazing week. Our hearts are with you. We're praying for each of yes. you. God bless.